This series of the For All Mankind podcast is brought to you by the Gardner Family Apothecary. Caring for your sensitive skin with the Elav and Ovel solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From Ovel Silcox Base to Elav's Sensitive Beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty-free and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of the news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro. Hello and welcome to Four Kind, the podcast. Today's guest is a dietitian, lactation consultant and a mum of four. It's Caroline O'Connor from Solid Start. Hi Caroline. Hi Pamela, how are you? Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So a mum of four, your busy house, lots of food. Yeah, lots of food, lots of meals. Yeah, it's never ending, especially at the moment. I'm sure everyone, every parent uh, is in the same boat. But yeah, I was just saying to my husband this morning, I'm really, really sick of... Um, making lunch and cleaning up after lunch <laughs> and making dinner and cleaning up after dinner and all the other meals and snacks um, throughout the day. So yeah, just because you're a dietitian doesn't love mean that you love feeding your children either. Yeah, it's, um, I think we're all going to be really looking forward to being able to get out to a restaurant and someone else cook for us. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. And you have an Alice. Your youngest is an Alice. My eldest is an Alice. Yeah, yeah. My little Alice and- is five. And it was when you were weaning Alice that you, so you were a dietitian and it was actually when you were weaning Alice that you got more interested in the kind of the diet for younger and weaning kids. Yeah, well, I suppose I'd actually always worked in that area and always been interested in it anyway. So I suppose a bit of background, like I was a community dietitian for 16 years with the HSC. Uh, so when you're a community dietitian, you see everything from babies right the way through the whole life cycle, right through through to older people. Um, but I was always really interested in the area of paediatrics. Um, so I covered paediatrics for a little while in the hospital and then in community, I, was, I covered um, an area which had a lot of young families. So I also saw a lot of um, children anyway. Um, and we did a lot of training with the public health nurses around infant feeding. So something I was always interested in. And then obviously when you have your own children, um, your interest peaks in things that are kind of going on in your own personal life. So um, when I had my first baby 14 years ago, um, yeah, I suppose the whole area of breastfeeding and then he had allergies and I was really interested in, in allergies and, and did a lot of extra training in that. But then when I was on maternity leave, to get back to your question, uh, with Alice, um, who was my fourth baby, I suppose definitely things had changed since I had my first in terms of like social media. Uh, so I'm going to sound really old now, but I had my first baby in 2007. Um, and I can't even remember when, like, obviously there was Facebook, but it just wasn't as as big and there was no Instagram. And um, like, I remember being on some kind of mum, like magic mum, I think it was at the time and a bit of roller coaster. And, you know, you go onto boards, but you had to consciously yes, like, open up your boards. computer and like, you know, dial it up up the computer (laughs) dial it up and go in so it wasn't something that you were just kind of flicking on in the middle of the night really um whereas then when I had Alice you know I just found kind of when I was up feeding her at night that you'd be kind of inclined to pick up your phone and like scroll through Facebook or you know um I actually wasn't even on Instagram at the time but yeah I suppose it was Facebook and things like that and like I was just really surprised by how much information people were how how much help people were asking for when it came to weaning um and I suppose I was a little bit horrified as well about sometimes like even though people are really well-meaning and it's great for moms to support other moms so sometimes the information maybe wasn't correct um and that people maybe were getting a lot of confusing information I suppose through through social media as well um because it's fabulous to get the support and i mean definitely groups online are invaluable um but you get a lot of confusing information because what you get is different people's opinions mm-hmm. i suppose on what worked for them yeah. um and it's not always evidence-based and as a dietitian evidence is 
you know if that's really important you know we I suppose we do we while we'll give our kind of opinion on and personal perspective like it's always firstly granted in evidence you know so yeah yeah kind of at that point then I thought you know what there's probably like there there is a hunger for information um and there's a lack of evidence-based information um so I was on maternity leave so what do you do when you have four kids and you're on maternity leave I was like oh sure I'll start I'll start a weaning course um and yeah so I I set one up here in Cork it was a at the time uh which seems even strange now in person weaning course um and yeah sure I wasn't even sure if people would would come um and yeah it was just a roaring success I suppose it just showed that people yeah people wanted to get their kids off on the right start um, and they wanted to get information that was up to date and that they could trust um, and that was kind of very practical you know not just lots of theories um, yes. you know, really practical like information on on weaning um, and it kind of it just solid start grew from there really um, and then I went back to work for when Alice was a year and a half, I kind of took some extra maternity leave. Um, and I kind of did solid start just once a month. I used to run the class. Um, and then I went back to work for a year. And then I decided that, you know what, I actually will t- take the plunge and I will um, do solid start full time. So yeah, I left my job in the HC to, to be an entrepreneur. And it's going really well because as you, as you said, like weaning, it's... You can kind of read about it in the book, but it's not actually till you're kind of sitting in front of your child that you're going, okay, now, what does it actually mean in my home? You know what I mean? Um, exactly. Yeah. And there, I suppose babies aren't textbook, you no. know, so sometimes when you read about it, same with everything with parenting, you know, when you're pregnant and you're like, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this. Um, and then your baby kind of like doesn't comply um, or, you know, things just don't go as planned and it all seems so straightforward sometimes in the books um, and it is straightforward but I think you just you have to deal with the baby that you have and that's not going to be the same as your friend's baby or your cousin's baby or yeah you know your neighbor's baby and and that can be you know that can knock people's confidence then if things don't exactly kind of go to plan yeah and like um, even even within our house like Alice weaned totally different than Peter like she was she'd go into her chair you would use the spoon feeder we'd put like the food finger food on her table in front of her she'd never she'd pick it up she'd be like no way too much effort couldn't be doing that and Peter's the opposite if you don't give him finger food he loses the plot like he wants to feed himself and you sneak in the spoon here and there but he's yeah he he will he'll basically like within his ability to ask but like he will you can you can see he's getting frustrated yeah Yeah. and if you put something in front of him he just he'll calm down and he'll pick it up and he'll feed himself away and it like if that was Alice would I have been as confident in giving him kind of chunkier foods I don't know so like where now I'm I'd be a lot more confident in my ability to read the signs as well of what he wants is he hungry is he not hungry is he full is he not so like it is such it is a real I feel like when you're starting the weaning journey like you've just got the feeding like I I kind of have both I'm like I've got this this is great and it's like oh okay now we need to introduce food okay right okay I know you're starting back again yeah and you're kind kind of like like step one I know or sometimes I find it's the opposite way you know I think with first time moms there's definitely more excitement I think you're, you're always looking forward to the next stage aren't you you know you're like oh I can't wait to start food and um you know I can't wait for the next like big thing whereas yeah. I kind of found with my four that they were actually getting older and older with the weaning because it's kind of like oh like it's fine but it's you know it's so easy I think when you're just breastfeeding and you don't you know especially when you have other kids like you can just sort of like slot it around like feeding yeah. the other kids and yeah I remember when it came to Alice, I was like, oh no, do I really like have to start? So Alice, it's just obviously the cleaning up and the babies and the, yeah. all that kind of stuff, you know, it's still another task in the day. Uh, so yeah, mine were definitely progressively like getting older. Um, <clears throat> I definitely wasn't in as much of a, a rush, but I totally hear what you're saying. Like my four kids were all quite different. Um, and I would have thought by the time I came to Alice that nothing would have phased me when it came to weaning but she was a totally different kettle of fish to the, the her three brothers 
I think the three boys would have been happy to be fed you know by me kind of yeah. indefinitely whereas Alice just had absolutely zero intentions of opening her mouth for the spoon and I kind of wanted to do a bit of both you know yeah. bit of finger foods bit of spoon feeds because I think that kind of gives you a lot of flexibility as a parent you know totally. um and it kind of gives the, the child like a good experience of weaning as well they're having all the textures uh which sometimes you can miss out a little bit I think when you just do uh finger foods even you know a lot of them tend to be quite dry um so but she just she wasn't going to play ball she just did not want to be fed so just had to embrace the baby led weaning approach which is great too but I think you just you really have to have an open mind Mm -hmm. um and as you said you can be a bit more confident with that maybe when it's not your first baby um but the first time everything is is new and yeah. it can be frustrating then when they and it can be stressful when they don't when your baby doesn't seem to be kind of following exactly the timeline that's that you've read about you know yeah and even you know portion size like Alice would she'd kind of you'd know when she was full you know she'd be like I'm okay you know so you give her a portion she'd eat it as much as she'd want um but Peter like he's he's is it that he's a boy like he's a bigger child than Alice like he's a lot longer he's far stronger than she was at the same age and like he would eat you I feel like he'd eat you out of house and home if you left him like sometimes like does this child like need a steak or something he's just (laughs) hungry he's just a hungry baby and like that you can't eat anything and if he sees you eating he has to have some so It's a very much a case of, you know, there's no way that we could have dinner and if he could eat half an hour before us. Like, there's no way you could yes. do that in this house. Everyone has to eat at the same time. Yeah, which is lovely. Which yeah. is lovely. but And we have that luxury, at, you know, at the moment. So we're very yeah. lucky. But, um, yeah, he's, he, he just loves food. So, yeah. you, you, you know, I've seen you share information on the signs of knowing, you know, versus like what's their appetite versus what's the what's the you know correct amount let's say that they should be having yeah. at that age yeah I suppose they like there is definitely a lot of misinformation around portion sizes um and the bottom line is that there are no recommended portion sizes for weaning for exactly the reasons that you have just spoken about that every child is different and some children are bigger so they're growing at a higher centile um, and therefore require more energy they might be drinking different amounts of milk um you know some children are spoon feeding some children are eating food themselves and some children like are just more motivated by food so they're they're motivated by the sight of food even you know yeah uh, like you're a little boy so there are no portion sizes for weaning and i think that's actually one of the most liberating things that you can tell a parent because Parents are either worried that their child is eating too little or they're worried that there is their child is eating too much. And there are actually very few parents who are kind of just confident that their child is eating the right amount, you know. So I think it's very kind of liberating to just be able to say to parents, look, there are no portion sizes for weaning um, for the very reason that children grow and develop at different rates in the first year. And really just let your child be be the guide and what you'll find is that some children eat loads on one day and then they won't eat much the next day or sometimes they'll eat loads for kind of a few weeks yeah and you're stressed out worrying that they're eating too much and then that flips next month when they're not eating anything and then you're stressed out because they're not eating enough so you know just it's really kind of go with your child because there are no portion sizes Um, completely and even like with Alice like Alice is two and a half and I used to be really worried. I was like, oh, she's at nothing. She's at nothing. She's going to be starved. Yeah. And now I kind of go, she's not hungry. So yes. like she'll have a day and she would eat, like she could eat three breakfasts. She'll eat a great lunch. She'll have a great dinner. Then the next day she could eat nothing. Like she'll exactly. pick at stuff. And I've just kind of gone, she knows this food here. If she's hungry, she'll eat it. She's had a lot of food yesterday. Chances are she's not going to eat that much today. Or like exactly. that, you know, so... I, and once I accepted that, that she isn't going to go hungry because she knows where the food press is and she knows where the fridge is and she's well able yeah. to tell me that I, it can't, you just kind of go, okay, that's no problem. You don't eat, eat your dinner, you know, and you know if that's a dinner she likes um, or sometimes it's a dinner she'll just go, oh, you know, and she'll pick away and at what she wants. Exactly. But she's not going to go hungry. 
Like no, that's it. I mean, thankfully, in in Ireland, those of us that are for privileged enough, like to have a house full of food, yeah. our children are generally not going to go hungry. You know, even if you provide a meal that maybe isn't their favorite. Um, they're not going to go hungry because it's never too long until their their next meal. So I suppose I think it's hard, like in this in the times that we live in, like to have to to trust our own instincts and actually kind of trust our children as well. That in fact, if your child is healthy and you're providing regular meals, whether that's like in weaning or whether it's to a toddler, um, and you're providing food that's appropriate, that they like you know have a capacity to eat. Obviously, you're helping them or or you're giving them appropriate finger foods. Like they will be okay. Like they will eat what they need to eat. Their body babies are meant are built to survive. You know they mm-hmm. they will eat what they they need to eat. And I suppose it's funny because people do that when they're breastfeeding so when you're breastfeeding you don't know how much your child is getting um but you know for the majority of babies they will get what they need um without us kind of like measuring it objectively Uh, but I suppose we've just kind of moved far away from that like people have lost maybe faith in their own ability to actually kind of eat intuitively um you know and there's loads of talk about portioning and things like that and while some awareness of, of portion size is helpful, like for adults, ideally we all kind of want to eat like babies. Like we want to eat intuitively. We want to eat until we feel full um, and then we want to stop. And that's not going to be the exact same from meal to meal, you know. Yeah. So yeah. in actual fact, the best intuitive eaters actually are our babies. Um, and what we do then sometimes is that we can kind of in- interfere with that a little bit by either encouraging them to eat more um, than they want um, by trying to kind of sneak in food or you know or, or kind of one more bite or you know because we feel we have to get a certain portion in um, or yeah or we feel like or the bowl needs to be empty food. when it really exactly. doesn't need to be empty yeah. yeah so ideally you do now I suppose like there is a research looking at if you kind of routinely gave your baby a really large portion of food at each meal then there is evidence to suggest that babies with a big appetite might routinely then eat more than they need. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why I always suggest to parents, look, start small, like start with a bit on the plate. And if your baby wants more, you can give more, but yeah. don't start with like an endless kind of portion. So always start with a starter portion and then, and then kind of work up from that. So I suppose on a practical level, then people are like, that's great. But like, how much will I take out of my freezer if I have everything kind of frozen? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that meal prep is life saving and it's so cost effective as well. Exactly. And you do like you're not going to make everything fresh every day. So you might take something out from your freezer and you'll know yourself like roughly. So let's say if you have things like frozen in ice cube trays, for example, like take you might take out a couple of cubes when you're starting weaning. And look, some of it's going to go to waste, but they're generally not things that are expensive anyway, you know? Yeah. Um, and then if your baby eats the two cubes, then tomorrow you'll take out three cubes. You know, you, you'll quickly kind of learn. And some days you'll take out too little and some days you'll take out too much. But that's all right, because if your baby's around six months, you can always grab like a bit of finger food. You know, you mm-hmm. can grab like if your baby's still hungry, you can grab a banana from the bowl or, you exactly. know, you know, and you can give them that to kind of complement what you've taken out of the freezer. So, you know, don't don't stress about it. Like just try and go with your baby. Um, and if they don't eat quite enough solid food, they'll probably make up for it by drinking more milk, you know, yeah. and you'll work it out then the next at the next meal. So it doesn't need to be exact. And to it was some tip I picked up actually with Alice was someone said, um, if your baby likes banana or avocado, now, we don't have this yeah. concern at the moment because we're, you know, we're not out and about as much. Um, they're great foods that you can throw into like your handbag because, yeah, you know, and they can, not that they can live there, but, you know, they, you can have it in yeah. your handbag if you're going to a coffee shop or wherever and you can just mash it up, you know. Cause, exactly. They're the ultimate portable food, like, because they yeah. kind of work mashed. They work like as finger food, you know. So they're, yeah, they're super from that point of view, so, you know, yeah. so... Like when I, I always say to parents as well, look, go, I, obviously none of us are going anywhere at the moment, but like when you are going places, you know, rather than kind of bringing your spaghetti bolognese with you, like have that maybe before you go and then bring the easier foods with you. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you can't bring the spaghetti bolognese, but sometimes we kind of feel like, well, if this is the lunchtime, like I have to bring the proper lunch. 
uh, whereas in actual fact just you can swap it around like you can give your baby spaghetti bolognese for breakfast if you want you know and you can give the breakfast things and bring them out and about with you if that's easier to bring out and about you know you don't have to kind of get into like it doesn't have to be a rigid yeah. meal plan it's basically what your baby eats roughly kind of over the whole day or over the whole week that matters not what they eat at any kind of particular meal so yeah don't 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 stress or don't feel like you have to be kind of tied down to this exact timetable every day uh, hopefully when we all do get out and about everyone will kind of need some out and about food ideas <laughs> yeah um and you have i know for many households um breakfast is at the real time poor time of the day because everyone is trying to get out the door to school or you know on laptops for work and stuff so you had a great post um with ideas just simple ideas for breakfast and yeah like i i've done you know i've weaned alice i just saw that because i always struggle with breakfast it's how to make it that it's not so repetitive exactly and also so it's not time consuming so yes. yeah it's just like anyone can go onto my instagram and see it but it's just a really simple simple post and it's funny because i've shared it a couple of times and it's always my most popular post and i think it's just the simplicity that that resonates with parents um i mean definitely i just i actually feel for parents now because i think there is while it's brilliant there's so much information out there um, there's actually a pressure as well like to create these kind of amazing weaning diets um, you know sometimes people are following people on Instagram and it all looks so pretty and it's it's laid out so nicely and if you feel maybe sometimes if you're not making a different breakfast every day that yeah. maybe you're not doing you know your child um, justice so and I mean there's loads of lovely recipe books with you know 10 different types of overnight oats and that's lovely (laughs) but you don't have to do that either so in weaning there's two main things one is the bottom line is that you want your child to learn to like food that you're going to be serving them later on in childhood um so there's no point kind of turning yourself inside out trying to make you know lots of different exotic breakfasts for your baby when in your heart and soul you know that when you go back to work that that's not going to be something that you're going to be able to keep up you know, and ultimately that your child's going to be eating what you eat, which might be porridge and meat mix. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's start as you mean to go on, keep it simple. But the other thing that's important is for, for weaning is diversity and variety. But you can achieve that in with lots of small things without necessarily making lots of complicated recipes. So like in that post, it's basically, I just say, look, pick a basic cereal. So it could be porridge if that's what you eat. It could be wheat mix. Um, or it could be ready brick and the reason I like wheat bricks and ready brick is because they've got iron added so they're really helpful and they're cheap and they're easy to buy and they're kind of what lots of toddlers and children eat anyway um, and they're perfectly suitable for babies because they're low in salt so pick th- those three and then maybe add like a different topping every day so it could be something like milled seeds or it could be some nut butter and there's lots of different types could be you know some dried coconut um and then or you could cook in fruit so you could grate in an apple one day another day you could grate in some pear or add some like cooked um fruit mash or puree um and then maybe offer a fruit finger food and you could actually have porridge seven days a week and every day it would be a different color a different flavor and a different finger food experience you know and that's it's doable um but you're still achieving a variety um you're still exposing your child to lots of different foods without yeah having to kind of stay up at night and make lots of complicated things and, and fill your freezer up with loads of different types of porridge you know or yeah. your cupboard yeah um so yeah I, there are I, lots when i of saw that i was like that's such a simple um it just it just, it's and it's visually even simple you, your your mind goes okay i have that i you know fruit okay that's the aspect so i need to create so for me i i just bought like pink lady apples pears um i bought frozen mixed berries and i bought they're some so rhubarb yeah. they're so handy so i stewed a lot of stuff um that probably will actually i'd spend maybe an hour it took me maybe to do almost a month's worth of, of cubes so that now yeah. there's a bag of breakfast cubes and we have a bag of dinner cubes um <laughs> so he has his fruit in the morning with that like depending on whatever cereal he's getting just pop it in and then or else even 
if I if there was one day he's te- he's getting his top teeth, so his teething was quite mm. bad. So I put a yogurt in, you know, mashed up with a one of the bear with the frozen berries yeah. that I had, and um, it was like, yeah, like so a cold nice smoothie. Cool. Yeah, for him. Exactly. So it's yeah. it just made breakfast so simple. I was like, exactly. Thank or you, even, like, tinned, <laughs> You're welcome. Um, even tin fruit, like things yeah. like. You know, because sometimes we're like, oh God, tin fruit. But it's actually kind of handy to have. So things, especially like um, mandarins, which which can be a choking hazard because of the membrane on them. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, should I peel a mandarin? I'm like, life's too short to peel a mandarin. Seriously, like just buy the tinned mandarins in the juice. They're already peeled. Um, and you can mash those and throw them in on top of ready break. Or you can offer them as a finger food. They're safe because they actually break up. They're very soft. Um, you know, and it's just... You're not going to be given tin fruit like every day, but it's another option. Or as you said, the frozen berries are really handy. Yeah. Um, and exactly what you did with the frozen berries, you just, I suppose from a food safety point of view, you do need to cook frozen berries um, for a minute before you can serve them to babies. But you can refreeze them again, uh, but they need to be boiled for a minute just from, that's just kind of a food safety tip um, and one that actually a lot of people don't know. So. And you kind of need to, well, when I stew them, anyway, it makes them like, it just softens them you know so you can kind of blend it up and then you refreeze them and then what i mix them up for instance like i put apple with some of the berries so when you're taking them out it actually looks from an adult's point of view if you have in like the ice cube it's like a rainbow i was like oh it's not lovely yeah, for his breakfast exactly. this morning. and that's what it's all about because when your baby is weaning you you want to expose them to lots of colors lots of texture um you know lots of different f- yeah smells um and also as well like we're trying to feed the bacteria which sounds awful in our baby's gut mm-hmm. but we know now that that's really helpful you know and that yeah. over the first three years of your baby's life that that kind of gut bacteria are developing and what your gut bacteria love is diversity they like fr- fruits and vegetables of different colors they like different kinds of seeds different kind of nuts so um it's all about giving your baby a wide exposure to things um, and not just giving them things that they like, because naturally they do gravitate towards, you know, lots of babies love bananas. Um, so they'd happily eat banana seven days a week. Um, and actually that's one of the most, I do a weekly Q&A on my Instagram and I must get questions every week that say, is it okay for my baby to have some certain food every day? <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's usually bananas or eggs. And I would say, yeah. yes, nutritionally, that's absolutely no problem. But remember that weaning is all about variety. So if you are offering your baby banana every day, like just try to vary up how you offer it and make sure that you leave room for other foods as well. You know, so don't just give your baby foods that they like because weaning isn't about how much food you can get into your baby. Um, It's about um, variety and exposure. And just because your baby doesn't like something today doesn't mean that if they see it again, you know, another few times, they might actually learn to like it. They probably learn to accept it. Um, so we don't want to force things, but we do want to kind of repeatedly offer uh, foods, even if your baby doesn't take to them the first the first few times. And you're talking there about, about the diversifying the diet. So um, you're introducing, and some of that is introducing allergen foods. So like the peanuts, eggs, cow's milk, yes. fish. Now, I was absolutely, hands up, petrified <laughs> when I was weaning Alice to the point that Alice did not have a peanut until she was about one because I just could not but that was my own lack of knowledge because I thought giving her a first taste of peanut she was going to have an anaphylactic shock that was where my head was at so and that was down to following Joe Wicks on his Instagram at the time and his daughter had had a a nut allergy so that just totally put me off it Peter this yeah. time around six and a half months has had pe- like would have peanut butter you know and like a little bit of toast and stuff like well not when well, he yeah. does now at nine months but not you know he tasted it at six and a half months um yeah so totally different because I had the knowledge and confidence to do so exactly and that's what it's all about like it's number one having the knowledge and unfortunately people are still given I mean the guidelines are quite clear now on what we know helps prevent allergy and that's earlier introduction yeah um ideally before a year um it depends if your baby is high risk if your baby is high risk of having an allergy it's even earlier introduction than that but 
obviously you'd kind of discuss that one-on-one like with the health professional but um for the majority of babies who are not high risk um then we just want to try and get them in early on in the weaning process um and ideally before their first birthday but people are still unfortunately and i come across it every day because i deal a lot with um, children with allergies are still given the wrong information um about um introducing allergens um so it's no wonder like it's hard to feel confident i suppose when you don't have the correct knowledge um and then you know it's just i suppose knowledge around you know what actually is an allergic reaction um how will you recognize an allergic reaction and in actual fact the most babies don't have an anaphylactic reaction the, the first time that they eat a food so mm-hmm. reactions thankfully tend to be mild um the first one or two times and if your baby has an immediate reaction you don't go ahead and give it again at home um you go and, and you know have an allergy assessment done uh, my first baby had um unfortunately immediate allergies to milk and to eggs and to peanut um so i know it, it can be worrying but thankfully yeah they're very rarely uh severe on the first or, or second exposure so um, but I think that's not, you know, people just have kind of a vision of being carted off in a yeah. in an ambulance. Yeah. Um, and parents often say to me, oh, I, I drove outside my doctor's and I gave it to my baby oh um, my outside no, the doctor's. No, I wasn't surgery. that bad. Yeah. Uh, and like, that's probably not the best place to eat a first food in the car. Um, so, I mean, there are, and I go through, I have an online weaning course and I, I go through it in that. Um, but when we want to when we start allergens we just we we say you want to start slow and low so you just you start with a very small amount um and you kind of you build up then as if your baby is is tolerating them and if your baby has an immediate reaction as i said you don't go ahead and kind of plow through it at home you you stop avoid it and and talk to your doctor who will refer you on to somebody for for more help so Um, if you if your child does have reaction to an allergen food um it's your GP you call then to kind of to get a referral on. Is, is that what yeah, you Yeah, your GP is always your first port of call. Um, and they will maybe do an allergy assessment with you, see what type of allergy it is there. Sometimes babies have immediate reactions to things. Sometimes they have more delayed reactions. Um, it's the immediate reactions that can potentially lead to anaphylaxis. So um, they're, I suppose, more, more urgent um, and therefore you don't mess around with those at home you you absolutely need to get referral to an allergy service um so but the bottom line is that most babies don't have a food allergy um so you know 95 percent of babies won't react to any food um and if you have one kind of immediate food allergy you're more likely maybe to have to have another food allergy so um some babies might have multiple food allergies and but the majority of babies don't have any um so and so we go through the weaning process and then, you know, you've, well, I, my, my experience would be, you know, Alice was a great eater. She ate everything. And as she's mm-hmm. getting older, she's getting fussier in the ability to kind of go, mm, I don't actually want that. Um, how do you deal with fussy eaters when they're like a toddler? And so like we were saying, like you want them to eat, but you also don't want to go down the route of just giving, you know, yeah, white food. Yeah, I mean, so common and i think the the main thing is to actually know that it's normal um and if someone i think told you that this was coming down the track that would be really helpful because it actually takes a lot of people unawares especially if their baby was a good eater for the first year um and you kind of feel like you're home and dry i think when you get to one and your baby's eating everything um and you're like oh my baby loves broccoli um you know i've done a great job and like and you have but it doesn't mean that this kind of normal stage of toddlerhood won't kick in either um so it's not that you've done anything wrong or that you haven't done everything that you can um it's just toddlers by their very nature often go through this kind of phase of being more selective with what they eat and i'm kind of always loath to like label people as as fussy eaters because it can be kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy then Mm -hmm. um but toddler kind of selectiveness is is really really common so i mean there's a couple of reasons for it like one they're just not growing as quickly and i think that's not something that we really anticipate so in the first couple of years your baby's growing at a phenomenal rate but that slows down after two and when you're 
growth slows down your appetite kind of goes with it and if your appetite is a bit lower you can afford to be a little bit more choosy about what you will and won't eat uh so that's one thing and secondly the toddlers want to kind of exert their independence as well uh so it's not just i'm sure you've noticed with alice it's not just with regards to food like they can push back against a lot of things that maybe they think you want them to do like getting in the car seat or um, putting on their coat or you know whatever it is so you know some of it's they just want to be more independent so um I think recognizing it is the first thing because if you recognize that it's normal you're less likely to drive yourself crazy by thinking that there's kind of a major problem uh but the next thing is then managing it and trying to I suppose create an environment where you stay sane um you're not making multiple meals um and you don't go down a road where as you said you just offer your toddler the foods they want to eat because when you go down that road it can be quite a challenge to come back to the place that you were at um so you kind of want to keep on the same path that you were on with weaning um it's our job as parents um to decide when meals are so a lot of things that can help during the toddler years is actually having a good routine yeah now obviously because of covid that has been more difficult for for a lot of people i think you know um we're all at home all the time um children weren't in childcare, they weren't in school so um but having a good routine and it's one of the reasons why a lot of children actually eat better at crash than they do at home because there's this very structured routine of meals and snacks but there's no reason why we can't replicate that at home um, so we want to try and kind of have scheduled meals and little snacks in between, but kind of at set times so that children know what the schedule is and that they're not kind of grabbing food themselves from the cupboard or the, or the fridge. Yeah. Um, so we need to kind of stay in charge of when meals are served. And then we want to stay in charge of what food goes on the table at meal and snack times. So we kind of want to give them foods that they like. But we also want to continue to expose them to foods that they're currently rejecting or maybe they have never seen before or they used to eat, but now they've stopped eating. Um, And the easiest way to do that without creating any pressure is to pair liked foods and um, new foods together. Um, And pretty much a lot of toddlers will just eat the food they like, but that's okay. Um, That's fine. They'll satisfy their appetite, but they'll also be seeing the other food as well. Whereas if we don't continue to offer those foods we reduce their exposure to them um and therefore it's going to be really difficult for them to come back to those foods in time whereas if we keep offering them like in their own time if we don't put any pressure on them they see us eating them at least they know what they are and they know when they're they're ready to eat them again that they're there for them you know does that make sense yeah and would you recommend you know that you can buy those silicone plates and they're kind of like they'll have kind of they're divided up do you know the ones i'm talking yes. about yeah so you can have like uh you know two certain foods that you know they'll eat and then the the third portion being something that they probably won't eat but that it's it's yeah. kind of it's not is would you recommend that for people to to use that type of plate or do you think you're overcomplicating it just put three on a normal you know peppa pig plate um either i mean the silicone plates i often recommend them for weaning or for younger toddlers because they can't pick them up and fire them across the room (laughs) which is obviously really helpful uh when you're a parent um so those silicone kind of plates that are built into a place mash they're they're quite difficult like they can still throw the food but they can't throw the whole plate yeah um so they can be helpful certainly um whether it has to be divided or not like it doesn't really matter um some children don't have a problem eating foods that are touching or if the plate like usually i'd recommend you start with a small portion of everything anyway so things probably wouldn't be touching even if they were on a normal plate yeah um i suppose what the divided plates can be good for is they can be good for prompting you to offer more than one food so if there's four kind of sections or three sections you're actually more likely i think to fill them with different foods yeah um, as a parent and also they can be helpful for children maybe who've gone so far as they actually won't even tolerate a new food or food they don't like on their existing plate um so for those children they can be helpful because the food isn't touching so okay. i think either and it depends on on your situation or actually what's really helpful for toddlers is keeping them open to the idea of variety and that even includes the types of um, feeding utensils that we use 
So toddlers can get really stuck in their ways when it comes to eating um, to the extent where they're like, I only want to eat it if it's off the blue plate. Okay. So actually, before we can even think about increasing variety of food, first of all, we need to get toddlers comfortable with the idea, the idea of any change at mealtimes. And that can be even using a different cup or using a different spoon or using a different color plate. Um, you know, and we just actually, if you can do that, even let's say with your little boy now with Peter, um, we actually can easily get stuck offering the same things from the exact same plate every single day. But actually even changing things up a little bit. Um, can help kids to see do you know what um, this looks a bit different but it's okay um, and it just helps to build their confidence with with change so you can start that even from from a young age um, not to kind of get very rigid about about feeding um, you know if your toddler loves toast toddlers seem to love toast uh, if your toddler loves toast um you might just like one day you might cut the toast in triangles another day you might cut the toast in squares you know another yes. day you might cut in fingers you're still offering the same type of food but you're creating the illusion of variety um and you're building up confidence with change um and that's what toddlers can struggle with so start know- small do you know what that's actually after I'm I'm kind of laughing here to myself because I have a really <laughs> young memory like you know, like a very very early memory of my brother used to make me a sandwich and yeah. he used to wipe the knife off the bread at the end and I used yeah, to okay. absolutely hate it like do you know it was that my mom obviously didn't and so in my head yeah. I was like but why would you make my sandwich dirty like that was the association when he it used to be peanut butter and jam like so he used to yeah. he'd wipe the, the the knife off the bread when he'd cut it he'd wipe it and then I'd have like a bit of peanut butter and that's like the early like that discussion has so prompted funny, that image it? I was yeah. like why would you do that to my sandwich exactly just... and to you then that was kind of like the sandwich almost ruined you know totally. even though it had the same ingredients yeah it's like why would you do sandwich? that to that it was perfectly fine yeah. till you did that so yeah I exactly see... and sometimes we do kind of want to challenge that a little bit because because kids can become very rigid with eating yeah. um so if you can keep them kind of adventurous um even when it comes to something that's not necessarily a change of the type of food then that can be really helpful and I, another thing I had seen um, by you was pasta. And I know as an adult, like I see pasta as just a carb. Um, but actually, it's far more complex than that. They're actually not as bad as that, I suppose, we've been kind of, you know, led to think. Exactly. I mean, there's so much scaremongering around food um, and particularly around carbohydrates. But um the bottom line is that we all need carbohydrate uh, for energy and particularly children need carbohydrate because their energy needs are high. Uh, so if you have a toddler, uh, like one of the most common things parents say to me when they're coming for advice around or support around fussy eating is, oh, my toddler is a carb fiend. You know, they, she just live off toast and, and pasta and bread. Breadsticks. Um, breadsticks, crackers. Um, there are reasons why toddlers love those foods. Like they love those foods because they're energy providers and, and toddlers need lots of energy and your brain requires glucose, which comes from carbohydrate. Um, so it's kind of a protection thing. If you didn't eat carbohydrate, you would, your brain wouldn't be able to, to survive. Um, but also because they're quite uniform, so like uh, pasta you can change a little bit but it's always sort of the same shape mm-hmm. you know if you always buy f- spirals then they always look the same yeah um and that's really comforting for toddlers so they they like things that look the same um and texture wise they're they're kind of easy enough to eat you know so um but the it nothing is just one food group so even though pasta comes within the carbohydrate food group or it's on the bottom shelf of the food pyramid um, and it's mostly carbohydrate like that's its main nutrient it also contains protein and it also contains fiber and it contains b vitamins and it can like wholemeal pasta will contain some iron so i think sometimes we kind of think oh they're not eating any protein uh that's parents always say that my toddler doesn't eat any protein uh, but in actual fact, if your toddler is growing well, they're probably getting enough protein, you know. Yeah. Um, and a lot of toddlers actually will get a lot of their protein from carbohydrate foods. Um, but they'll also get it from milk as well and from dairy. So thankfully, where you have access to food, you mostly have access to foods that are that are contain some protein. So, yeah, don't stress 
too much if your if your child likes carbohydrate but again a really simple thing to do if your child was a real pasta lover would actually be just to firstly experiment with different shapes of the same type of pasta so you know if you always get spirals maybe try and get bowls or um you know maybe try shells um try spaghetti you know ultimately nutritionally they're the same but again it's just that idea of helping your toddler to become comfortable with the idea of something might look a bit different but in actual fact it tastes the same um and then once they're comfortable with that you can introduce the idea of different colored pasta um which is kind of fun as well and, and some of them are green and, and sometimes children just do not want to eat things that are green <laughs> so um you know you can put like one green pasta into all of your white pasta and you can make it into a game like who can find the the green pasta shell you know you're yeah. not even saying you have to eat it but it's just trying to i suppose yeah help children to become more adventurous without putting pressure on them carla i love your approach to it because i think everything that we've discussed you've taken i suppose a real you know you show real empathy to parents you're it's understanding you know the the challenges that face parents and it's realistic you know and i think that's why i enjoy your page so much that you can that you're not overcomplicating something you're you're you explain things really clearly you simplify things um because you can get completely inundated with information but your approach to it is it's just re- it's great it's just simple and but it's nutritious you know so thank you you know I, and i suppose that comes from being a parent myself yeah. you know like before i had kids i was probably i i actually kind of shudder to think of the advice that i gave parents before i had children myself um and i was probably very like smug and you know of course your children should eat everything and you know you know so i think when you have children yourself you actually realize that it's a lot more challenging yeah than you think it is and it's not about being perfect you know and you can provide your children with a very healthy diet, but it doesn't mean that they'll necessarily always want to eat it. Yeah. Um, and my children are still, like my eldest is 14 and they're like 14, 12, 8 and 5. And they're still kind of a work in progress, you know. Um, so people think if you're a dietitian, your children must love everything. Um, and they must eat all the foods that I make and I can just reassure parents that they don't. <laughs> and I still have the same challenges with feeding my children that... That other parents have as well um i suppose what i have is probably the confidence that i know what will work in the long term and i'm kind of committed to the long-term vision of it and i'm confident that if i do these things that ultimately they will you know be confident teachers um so that's the advantage obviously of having the knowledge but it certainly doesn't translate to immediately yes they they love every single dinner that i make for them um because they they absolutely don't uh, so yeah i just want to make it practical for people and just that parenting is is tough enough you know just yeah we, we can't aim to be perfect kind of parents either when it comes and and your child's what your child eats now is not a reflection of you as a parent you know um some children are naturally more adventurous than others sometimes you can be lucky and your child will be a really adventurous and confident eater um and if your child isn't it doesn't necessarily it doesn't follow that it's your fault or that you haven't done your very best you know Mm -hmm. children are different so it's that time i have to ask you our final three questions okay what would you tell your pregnant self what would I tell my pregnant self um I'm trying to think back next to 15 years since my uh, first pregnancy so I'm a very different person uh to the person I was back then um but I suppose with the wisdom of hindsight um I would say relax that you know everything will work out in the end and don't read the book that somebody has given you uh don't read that gina ford book that your friend gave you uh because you will drive she was really popular um when i had my first baby and um i drove myself crazy with timings of naps and um yeah just enjoy it because it actually does pass by i know it's kind of a cliche but it it does pass by um and even those sleepless nights pass um yeah and just trust trust in yourself like just spend enjoy 
the time with your with your baby i wish i could go back just for one day actually just with all of them as kind of a, a newborn yes, that'd be great i, I know if you just transport yourself back for a little newborn cuddle again yeah um yeah what's the one product you couldn't live without the one product i couldn't live without now would definitely be my kindle that i got for christmas oh me too <laughs> yeah i yes. love it and i wish i'd had it when the kids were smaller yes. because when you wake up in the night and you can't go back to sleep you can read it's like amazing i only got it this year i've been resistant for so many years me too i was like no i love books yeah i don't want to read a book on a kindle and uh yeah got one for christmas it, they're amazing aren't they're they? amazing and actually i would tell any new mum or any person that's looking for a gift yeah. for a new mum get them a kindle oh, yeah, amazing because they're really yeah. light you can read yes, it while the baby's asleep and yeah. I've read so many books since Christmas. It's, yeah, I'm here. I'm totally... Did you get busy. one for Christmas as well? Yeah. All right, yeah. I've I've read more books in the last, however, three months than I, I swear I have in the last, like, three years. And they're so cheap as well. Totally. Uh, and fiction and non-fiction, like, information is just literally at the click of a button. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> um, it's... You see it, you buy it, you're reading it, like, five seconds later. And yeah. Like, and do you know what? Sometimes at night time or anything, it's, we are... We, you know we're all so bad for an old scroll because that's what we pick up and that's yeah. the device that's handy for us and but with the kindle it's you know what you're get you're you're can read and you know, take in information but at least you know you're not getting you're not getting stressed. inundated and stress with more information you know you can get exactly a, you can get a break so i absolutely, absolutely. yeah it keeps you off your phone i think it def- everyone should go <laughs> yeah and what has been your magic moment um oh that's a really tough one but and I, I hate to think about one moment uh but I think when I came back from the hospital after having Alice um and it wasn't because she's a girl because people often ask that like did you you know you had three boys and then did you keep going until you had a girl and it wasn't that I think I just I knew then Alice was <clears throat> my last baby and our family was completed yeah um and it had been 10 years of pregnancy and um, all that that the ups and downs that that brings and it was just kind of I felt like great this is lovely now like our family is complete and you know we're, we're all going to kind of move on together yeah um so yeah that was that was a really lovely moment because I knew yeah that was kind of everyone was there she was the icing on the cake really yeah exactly yeah Caroline thank you so much for recording this episode um if anyone's looking to book a class with you it is solidstart.ie and you are solidstart on instagram as well i am thank you so much it was lovely um chatting with you and uh yeah happy feeding of alice and peter thank you thank you for listening to today's episode of for all mankind if you enjoyed it please rate review and subscribe if you would like to send me a message please email for all mankind at gmail.com or find me on instagram See you in the next episode of the podcast. Gardner Family Apothecary are the official sponsors of For All Mumkind podcast, caring for your sensitive skin with their ELAV and OVEL solutions, proudly made in Ireland since 1934. From OVEL Silcox base to ELAV sensitive beauty, their unique formulations provide low irritancy, cruelty free, and sustainable skincare solutions for you, your family, and your sensitive skin. You can keep up to date with all of the news, discounts and exclusive offers across Instagram, Twitter and Facebook at Gardner Family Apothecary. Visit GardnerFamilyApothecary.com for free next day delivery with purchases over €25. Euro.